Welcome to another episode of No Challenges Remaining, U.S. Open Draw Preview Extravaganza. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined as always by Courtney Nguyen. You ready to rock and roll, Courtney? Let's go. Let's get this tournament started. We're ready. Last slam of the year, last slam draw preview of the year, and we are bringing our A-games, or at least, hopefully, some sort of passing grade at the very least. It's been a long year. Let's start with the women, because it's the one that's on the screen we're looking at right now. That's as good reason as any. Serena Williams, obviously top seed. Serena lands in a quarter with Anna Ivanovic. Anna, um, obviously, and Serena played four times this year, with Serena winning three of them. Anna notably winning in Melbourne at the Australian Open. Uh, Serena starts with Taylor Townsend. First round was sort of an exciting round for American tennis. Also floating in here is Sam Stoser, and not many two other notable people, I don't think, jump out at me right away. Courtney, what do you make of Serena's draw to get to the semis? It's actually not bad. Um, you know, I mean, I think that Ivanovic and uh, Stoser, who would be her chief rivals in that uh, that quarter, have, like, pretty tough draws, so it's yeah. not clear that Serena would even have to play either of them, really, and they're they're the two biggest threats. So it's, it's not a terrible draw. I think that it's a good one for her, especially through the early rounds, to get some, not easy matches, but some kind of straightforward matches under her belt uh, and to build up confidence, so not bad. And two opponents, possibly early on, who will get her who get her guards up in Taylor Townsend, who's not necessarily dangerous on paper, but there's been a lot of talk about her and someone who Serena's very aware of and who's gotten a lot of media publicity and stuff, so not someone who Serena's going to sleep on. And then Schiavone, possibly second, is another slam champ, or Vanya King. Another American. Serena always does pretty well against other Americans, so I think it's a good start for her, a good way for her to ease in. I can't imagine her losing before the fourth round. I don't see any of those names. I mean, in the, in the third round, she could face uh, Zhang Shui, Bartle, Vanoit Vanker, Lepchenko. It's tough for me to see her not making second week, which would be further than she'd been the last two slams, so that's all you can really hope for. Sam Stoser briefly has played really well lately. It seems like even though she hasn't necessarily had uh, a lot to show for in terms of hardware, played Serena very tough at uh, Cincinnati, where she lost her in two tight tiebreak sets, and then made semis of New Haven, where she got fairly easily beaten by Petra Kvitova, but still, more, seems like she's on the up, doesn't she? Yeah, no, she's seemingly hit the ball, hitting the ball very well, which is really the key for, for Stozer. Um, she's still going to be like a matchup player, I mean, she could still lose to a Lauren Davis in the first round. Akai cannot be in the second Canepi, round, yeah, more. Uh, and then Suarez Navarro in the third. So, so that's not a great draw for Stozer, but which is a shame because it, had she been drawn in any other section, you'd actually kind of bank on her the way that she's playing. You really would. So, Anna Ivanovic, how about that? What do you see Anna doing this tournament? Her first time up to this sort of seeding in quite a while, being a top eight seed. Obviously, doesn't want to be in the three and a quarter, but can she? Aimate the quarters looks pretty safe to the quarters, I would guess, but then. Can she beat Serena again? Is this something that can happen? It's tough. I mean, it's that's up to Serena. I mean, yeah. it, it's. I mean, Serena routed her in the Cincinnati final, playing the best tennis that she's played probably you know throughout the entire year. So if she plays that level, and no one's going to beat Ivana, uh, sorry Serena um, through the course of the two weeks. But if she drops it all, if she starts to feel the pressure, all those sorts of things, then then Ivanovic, you know, she goes into that match with nothing to lose, and that's always a dangerous opponent. There you go. 
Next quarter of the draw is anchored by Wimbledon champ Petra Kvitova, who's way up at number three. She always, I'm always surprised at how high ranked Petra is when I see her ranking these days, just because it seems ranked like... Ranked or seated? Both. Either one. I mean, she's seated, ranked four, seated three. Right. Yeah, no, you said so, ranked, so oh, that's sorry. why I was confused. She's seated number three, ranked number four, Lena, obviously... Number number three is not in this tournament. Kvitova is sharing this quarter with Jeannie Bouchard. They could possibly have a Wimbledon final rematch in the quarters. Bunch of other notable names in this quarter. Madison Keys could be a third round for Kvitova. Fourth round could be one of Kuznetsova or Azarenka. Who do you see making out of this one? We should say Kvitova impressed us pretty strongly in New Haven. The way she kind of cruised that title and showed not anywhere near Wimbledon form, I don't think, but still form that was her B-plus game blowing everybody out. Out of this quarter, I mean, I, to me, it's either Kvitova, Bouchard, or Kuznetsova. Okay. Those are the three names. Um, I think that Bouchard, it, it's tough. You know, I mean, she she's only won one match since Wimbledon. Yeah. But she has a pretty cake draw up to the quarters. And then at that point, either she would play a Kvitova or a Kuznetsova, or she plays neither of them because neither of those two names are particularly reliable anyway. I mean, Petra could lose in the first round to Mildenovic. Uh, Kuznetsova could get knocked out by anyone. So um, it's tough to say. I, I, I don't know who would make it out of this section, but I, I'm, if I had to put money on it, it would be Kvitova. That's fair. I do think that Bouchard could have a slightly tough second round against Kirstey and Watson's Obviously not a huge threat, but she's moved up the rankings very steadily this year. She's back to top 40 area, I think. Um, yeah, that. but that other, and Makarova possibly fourth round. But other than that, not a whole lot to worry about because that Sibokova being a 12 seed, she's played nothing like that at all uh, since after Miami when she broke in the top 10 briefly. So not the worst draw out there. I would, too, pick Kvitova. But again, like you, uh, flag uh, Kuznetsova is someone who could derail that training, who can play a sort of game that can disrupt her. Already beat Kvitova in a very long match at the French this year, so that could happen. Uh, we haven't mentioned too much Azarenka, who's in here. Last year's finalist at number 16 is in the Kvitova fourth round possible match. Uh, could get Kuznetsova first. Kuznetsova third round, rather. Is there anything can be expected from Vika after the summer she's had? Or is it is she not one to watch? I'm not saying she's not one to watch. Her competitiveness will get her far, and she says her knee is good. But I think that it would be unfair to expect anything from her. If she does something, great. But but I don't think that she's anyone that I'm slotting through. I mean, she she could make. I mean, she could make semis for all that we can know, especially with day off between matches. But you know, I'm not going to bet on her for doing anything. And that's probably what I would agree with. I think Kuznetsova would pick over her at this point in the third round, and that's us thinking that Kuznetsova is reliable because she had a good summer. She beat she won Washington, beat Jeannie and. Cincinnati, she's done some decent things. Bottom half of the draw, the quarter you want to be in if you have your choice, is the Redwanska quarter, which is also featuring Angelique Kerber as the next highest seed at number six. Also in here includes Stevens, Sloan Stevens and Yelena Yankovic, who played the third round, and Safarova, Cornet, or other seeds. This seems to be, would you agree this is the prime real estate in this section? Absolutely. In this draw, in this tournament, either draw. I'm sure a lot of the men would want to be in this section, too. What do you make of Radwanska? This seems to be, from what I can tell, absolutely her quarter to lose. Yeah. No, I mean, she has a great draw into the semis. Yeah. And anything less than that would be pretty disappointing for Aga, who obviously won the Rogers Cup uh, in Montreal a few weeks ago. And she didn't beat anybody huge in that run. No. But, like, that draw is kind of similar to her, her, her quarter draw. 
which is like no one major people that she should beat and people that I would expect her to beat. Completely. I mean, Safarova has had a decent summer, not spectacular, and she's had trouble against Makarova lately. She's a little bit of a similar player, lefty power player. Um, she get fourth round, but other than that, yeah. I mean, August never done that well in New York. It's been her worst slam. Uh, maybe not worse. Maybe French isn't great either, but she's not done well here. Never made semis, so it seems like it's a time to do that. Kerber, obviously, usually underrated, and she has an easy draw herself, too. Uh, obviously, slow in her Yankovic, and fourth round is not easy. But yes. other than that... Anjali Kerber has a very easy draw. Let's just make that clear. That is a fact. That is a fact. I don't know why anyone would pick her and say... Maybe Andre Kerber is the toughest draw. That's not something I would do. Something you would do? I would not do that. No, I wouldn't do that either. So, so far we're going pretty chalk so far with who we think is going to happen here. Let's see that holds up in the last quarter of the women's draw, which I think is just pound for pound by far the toughest. Um, yep. You have tops, uh, number two seed, someone Halep is in there. Third round, she could play Muguruza, and then she could play Venus. After that, it's going to be Venus gets past Date Crumb first, and then Irani. And then in the other part of this quarter, you have... Some recognizable big names like Awozniaki, who plays New Haven finalist Rybarkova first. That's Injured New Haven finalist. Injured New Haven finalist. I expect Caroline to be pretty safe through that. Uh, Pekovic in there as well. Siki, who's had a pretty good hardcore season after her loss at Wimbledon. She seems to have kind of woken up a little bit. And Maria Sharapova, obviously, is the big seed there. Opening against one of her past friends on tour, Maria Kirilenko, of the Hockey Tap and other assorted greatest minor hits. Courtney, this quarter seems to be pretty wide open. I mean, I could easily see... Uh, I, could, I can easily imagine four of these different women getting out of here, being Sharapova, Wozniacki, uh, Venus, and Halep. And yeah. maybe the arguments can be made for others. I'd be open to hearing them, too. But what do you think about this quarter and how it probably... you think it's the most fun of the four? I don't know if it's the most fun. It's it's the most packed. I mean, a lot of the matchups that are projected there are not necessarily matches that I would like sign up to watch. You okay. know, they're they're tough matchups. I mean, but you know, I mean a Halep Serena, I mean I'm sorry, a Halep Venus could be interesting, Halep Mugarutha. I mean everything that you mentioned, but it's a real crapshoot to figure out who gets out of that section of the draw. Whoever does has a great chance to make the final because of the, the top half of, of that section or of that draw, the bottom half. Uh, but it, it's a big opportunity, and with Maria not playing great tennis, her serve has not been fantastic. Lisicki not reliable. Pekovic sames. Wozniacki consistent, but then she just suffered that really tough loss, um, or easy loss really up in New Haven. So you know who knows if that's like a strategic loss if or if it's just yeah. like a bad bad match. A Ronnie could vulture it through. Venus. Gar- I mean, it's just it's really tough. Yeah. This section, so it's a tough one to call. I don't see Ronnie doing much, but the other ones, I completely agree. Muguruza could easily make court, not easily, but could make quarters out of here. She could be Halep with her weapons. She can make the semis. Yeah, she totally could. So this is a fun section. Overall, women's final picks and your winner? I mean, women's final, I'll take Serena over, I don't know, whoever makes it out of the bottom draw. Um, Serena Halep. Okay. Or Serena Waz. Okay. Those- or Serena Radvanska. Those are my three picks. Those would all be good. I will mix it up by submitting two more. I'll say Serena Sharapova. Uh, Serena over Sharapova. And then uh, Serena over Venus, possibly. Venus against Sharapova is the one matchup that I see her having problems with. But like you said, with Maria not looking that sharp, I could see Sharapova bowing out before that would happen. Yep. So 
There we go. That is the women's draw overall. Good draw, bad draw, indifferent draw? Um, I'm not happy about Ivanovic and Stozer being drawn into Serena's quarter. Okay. I think that those are two players who are playing well enough to, like, make quarters or semis, but because they're in that section, they'll probably underperform in that way. But otherwise, yeah, I think it's good. Good stuff. Let's move on to the boys. The boys' draw is anchored by top seed Novak Djokovic, who is the odds-on favorite again, despite having a very mediocre at best hardcore tune-up in Canada and Cincinnati. He has a not fun draw at all. Maybe not in early rounds, but once he gets to the sort of middle part of the tournament, he can play Isner fourth round. Assuming Isner gets past Cole Shriver, which is nowhere near a sure thing, because Cole Shriver's beaten him at the last two consecutive U.S. Opens. Also, in the quarters, he could face one of Murray or Songa, as well as someone like a Beneteau or Radasco, who both had pretty decent enough summers as well. Uh, Murray, Radasco? Maybe not Radasco, but Beneteau. Beneteau let's just leave Beneteau, it at Beneteau. sure. I didn't mean to bandwagon and or to group Fernando and sorry, Fernando, your summer has been unspectacular. But I still expect you to make third round, and who knows, maybe it could beat Andy Murray. I don't know. Murray, I think, is the biggest straw loser of everybody in the men's straw. Playing Songa has played really well fourth round, and then Djokovic quarters, that's that's rough. This is a tough quarter for me to predict, but I feel like I'm overthinking if I don't say Novak, guessing he'll get his footing under him and refine his form, which is pretty easy to do against the likes of Diego Schwartzman in the first round and Mathieu or Mueller in the second, even though Mueller's not a rhythm player, and then Garcia Lopez is pretty straightforward in his own way, or Query third. See, I so. don't know if Garcia Lopez is, is straightforward. No? I mean, in terms of a upset alert for Djokovic, I think the third round is tough. I mean, Interesting. Garcia Lopez could, like, absolutely zone and hit the crap out of the ball. Um, he upset, obviously, Vavrinka at the French Open. He's had big wins before. Um, so I think that's a very dangerous match in the third round for Novak, especially after two matches that he should cruise through. I'm not sure Garcia Lopez will even get there. I mean, because Randy Liu, he gets first. Randy Liu's played pretty well lately, and Quarry's actually did pretty well in Winston-Salem, sure. too. But if, if, if Garcia Lopez does, okay. to me... He is the bigger threat to Novak than a Rendy Lou or a Sam Quarry. Okay. That's a, fa- that's a very so, fair statement. Yeah. Sure. Overall, do you think Djokovic gets past Murray or Songa? Before we I th- move on? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's made like, what, four straight finals at the U.S. Open? Um, he's the best pure hardcore player in the game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You're overthinking it if you, if you don't book him to me in the final, okay. at least. So, yeah, I, I would see him through there. I do think that, like, Murray has a chance. I think Murray's play, actually playing well. If he can find a way to not suck in the middle of matches, <laughs> I think he's got a shot. But, but I mean, I think that Andy actually is hitting the ball well. He's just had, like, little moments in matches where he's lost his focus and, and let matches go. But, yeah, I mean, Novak is my pick to the final anyway out of this half. There you go. Do you know, do you have a theory... As to why Murray's had these sort of problems, why his year, even if his health is not, if he's still coming back from the back surgery, obviously he hasn't made a final all year, which is very disappointing for someone who was a big four right in that mix for quite a few years before that. Do you, can you extrapolate on, I don't know, why, why the Murray is struggling? I think that people really do under, uh, like underestimate how difficult it is and how uh, kind of psychologically where you need to get yourself to be able to compete and, and to be completely consistent all of the time. And what we forget is that with Andy Murray is that he's had these sort of like 
focus issues a lot throughout his career. It's just that he had like an 18-month period where he didn't. But that time is not like, it's not like part of the Murray narrative throughout his career. So these things are going to happen. You know, hopefully he, he's, he can figure it out. But I think that after all the back surgery, after feeling like he wasn't physically fit enough to compete with the elite, I think that that plays with you in the big moments. And, uh, you know, now he's finally physically fit. He feels like he's at the top of his game. He's been able to put, through, put in a, a really good training block in Miami. So at this point, I think that you can kind of start counting his results. Uh, not this point, but the last two weeks. And let's not forget, the last two weeks over the U.S. hard courts, he lost to Songa, who was the eventual champion in, in Toronto. Yep. And he lost to Federer, who was the eventual... I mean, these aren't bad losses. They're bad losses because Murray led 3-love uh, with a break in the final set against uh, Songa, and because he had a double break in the second set, even though he was down a set, to Federer. So in the microcosm, it, it's poor, but in the grand scheme of things, like, those aren't bad losses. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think that he's striking the ball well, and um, it's just a matter of time until he gets himself back to where he once was. Maybe. But I, I think patience is a... You still have to use patience with respect to where he's at. And let's hope that his first round against Robin Hassa is absolutely nothing like what they did in 2011. because that Worst slam match in years. That was Like, shocking. next to, like, Gasquet... Or, sorry, uh, Simon... Malfeas, yeah. Murray Hassa is probably the second worst Grand Slam match in the last like five years. It, everyone. It was horrific. I, I mean, I think really people are still struggling, and they're playing I'm the same struggling. court. They're they're on Armstrong again. I'm a changed woman because of that match. Oh, explain. That's how bad it was. <laughs> well, like everybody like rips on like WTA, like oh these matches suck. I'm like no, you haven't seen a shitty match until you have to see Andy Murray come back from like two sets down to beat Robin Hassa. And the two combined for over 100 unforced errors. And Murray played like crap through like two and a half sets, I believe. And also was like long. six for 20 on break points. It was bad. There you go. If Andy Murray is the big loser in the draw, I think the big winner is one line lower, Stan Pavrinka, who got a very nice early draw and middle draw. Um, he could he, play, he opens with Thessaly and then get Shardy as his first seed. Uh, Eugene Robredo... Uh, it's a likely fourth round, which is not bad at all, considering the alternatives. And then Milos Ronic as a possible quarter. This is an interesting quarter, though, because of Ronic. I think, like, interesting near the end of it, maybe, with Ronic and Nisha Kori, who's untested. Um, I actually think Ronic gets through this to the semis. Yeah. I think he is the safer pick. He won the U.S. Open Series for what that's worth, even though the scoring's a little weird this year, because obviously... It's not worth much. At the... At the the begin- if you by the old system, Federer would have won it easily by doing as well as he did at the Masters events. For those who don't know, yeah. the U.S. Open series, if you play three or more events, then you get, actually get double points. You get yeah, if you do well at three or more, yeah. you get earn points at three or more. Events. Right, yeah. and so Roger obviously did the best, but he only played two two Masters tournaments, so he wasn't the winner. Yeah, it so was Roundage. It was Roundage, but Roundage won DC, so it's not like he did nothing. But he won basically because because he showed up to DC more than anything. Uh, so he is there. I think he'll get past Vavrinka to go head-to-head. I think Vavrinka is more susceptible to an early upset, too, as somebody who I named as a non-threat, because that's kind of losses he's had lately. Right? hasn't been the same person since uh, Monte Carlo. If Vavrinka and Raonic actually do face off in the quarters, I actually put my money on Vavrinka. Okay. But 
I don't put my money on Wawrinka making it to the quarters. Okay. Which who, is why I would put Raonic in the Who do you think might get him? You know what I think could do it? Shardy. Shardy could do it. I think also, if he gets one round further, I can see Pospisil doing it. I can see an all-Canadian quarter. Pospisil's played okay. No, I don't I don't buy that at all. Um, okay. I think Robredo's playing good tennis. Uh, usually a Kyrgios. Kyrgios, okay. Could make, th- make it through there. So, um... Those are the more the threats to me. There you go. Then uh, Fun pick. Bottom half of the draw starts off with a quarter that includes Thomas Burdich and David Ferrer. And you were saying that like Stan won the draw. No, Ferrer won the draw. Well, Ferrer won the draw as soon as he became uh, as soon as Nadal pulled out and got his own quarter. Not necessarily. Had if, if Ferrer and Wawrinka, who are the three and four seeds, switched. If they got drawn into opposite, not the fields that they got into. Okay, sure. Would you not agree that, like, uh, Vavrinka would be the slam winner, or the draw winner? If he was in this third quarter? No, I don't think so, because I think that there's better floaters. I think that Chilich is a much more dangerous floater. But he plays Bagdadis in the first round. Who? Marcos. He could play Bagdadis. Yeah, I don't see Marcos beating him. Marcos is playing well in the challengers. Okay. And then Anderson's in there as a pretty decent person who's beaten... Bavrinka recently a couple times. Uh, I wouldn't have made no. I wouldn't have. I don't necessarily agree with your logic. Um, Tomic is a possible second round for Ferrer, and he's always unpredictable and not somebody you want floating near you in the draw. Um, not an easy out unless he decides to be. Um, and then Burdich and Golbis. I think there's just much more quality. I don't think uh, Burdich is getting past Lopez Hewitt. Lopez played decently. Okay, you think Hewitt's going to be Burdich? Burdich sucks this summer. Okay, he has been horrible, like legit horrible. Not just this summer. But, like, since maybe the French or maybe before the French. Well, French made quarters and he lost a goal base, But he lost a really, I mean, he didn't even put up a fight in that match. But Burdick has not been good for months. He is legit in a slump. And yet, he's the number six seed. So if I wanted a top eight seed in my section, if I was also a top eight seed, I would want Burdick. Interesting. I think I would take Dimitrov if I had a pick. Ugh. You're crazy. Dimitrov <laughs> made the semis of Toronto. That's a true thing. That did happen. But he didn't. He made be- the semis of Wimbledon. Yeah. Like, he's, like, had actually, like, good results. <laughs> Burdick has done nothing. Okay. Absolutely nothing. Okay. You are insane. Thank you for your thoughts. Yeah. Um, who do you think makes it out of this quarter, which you think is... Ugh, I think better. Ferrer does. Ferrer? Yep. I, I don't see any situation where Ferrer does not make it out of this section. I could see I could see a, an Anderson or a Chilich beating him. I don't see either of those things happening. Not at best of five. What do you think Golbus does here? Not loses, much. Loses to Lopez? If he gets he there. He could lose it to Shepard. He could lose it to Shepard. He could lose a te- uh, team. That'd be awkward. That'd be super ox. That would not be great. No. Those are like two of the biggest besties but on I, tour. Yeah, I mean, I think that he, it, it, best case scenario, if he gets through, he does lose to Lopez in the third round. Okay. I could see Lopez making it out of this quarter. Yeah, I could no. see Lopez making semis. He's one of the, the players that I said is like an underrated or, you know, under the radar player to watch. He's had a tremendous run since the tour turned to grass. Yeah. And um, he's playing good tennis. You know, best of five, it becomes a bit more of an issue, but yeah. Actually, you know, I'll make him my pick. I'll say Lopez makes it out of this quarter. Yeah. That's my pick. So he'll get to his first slam semi. Hooray for him. And in that semi, I believe he'll play another person who's also in his 30s. Roger Federer is the last one who's quarter to discuss. Federer uh, starts off with Matasovic and gets a couple big servers, potentially, in Sam Groff and Karlovich, second and third, which is not 
fun to watch or fun to play against. And then after that, pretty decent uh, draw from then, in fourth round anyway, until possibly Dimitrov in the quarters. Uh, Dimitrov is the one who lay next to Ryan Harrison. At the US Open draw ceremony, they give you where the unseeded are before they plant the seeds in there. So you could already see before you knew anything else that Ryan Harrison was going to get a 5-8 through eight seed. And this luck had not improved. It turned out to be uh, Dimitrov. And I realize people say, oh yeah, well he needs to get a better ranking and get seeded and take care of this. All true. Still, mathematically, he's had unbelievably bad luck in first rounds. So both things can be true. He can need to be better and still have bad luck. Right. That's I mean, all you, it is. You have players who like, like take a Matosovic, for example, who's unseeded always and going into draws. And he has, I mean, obviously he grabbed Federer here, but like in the past, he's had like winnable first round matches. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, yeah, I mean, Harrison's just constantly pulling like really crap draws. I mean, there's a Reba Manorino match in this, in this quarter. No Ew. one will watch that. No, they won't even watch that. Ew. They'll be watching the court next to them as they absolutely hit the ball back and forth. Ew. Yeah, so, where, by the way, where's Jack Sock in this draw? Jack Sock is in the top half of the draw, bottom section. It's a pretty good draw. Yeah, Jack Sock gets great draws. If you want, you want a corollary, the number of top ten opponents who Sock and Harrison have played in their careers is massive. Can I actually look it up? Then I can, I'll do it. Okay, so, to my point, Jack Sock has played five matches in his career against top ten opponents. He's 0-5. Okay? Ryan Harrison has played 20. And granted, he's 0-20. That's also just a lot more luck of the draw. They haven't played that different schedules. I mean, Harrison cracked on the tour a little bit earlier in terms of playing main draws. But that's ridiculous to compare those two. And neither of them has done much with those opportunities. But yeah, Ryan Harrison definitely gotten the very <laughs> sparkly short end of the stick when it comes to playing very good opponents. And that's not, that's not something that can be totally dismissed. Obviously, he's had a bad summer. If you say Jennifer deserves wild card more than Ryan, whatever, those are all fine arguments. But the fact is, tennis gods, it's something to piss him off. He has. It's weird. I mean, it's weird to think that there is a possibility that Wayne O'Desnick could make it further than Ryan Harrison. You know, Desnick plays Nisha Corey first, I right? Yeah. I saw Desnick when I was walking back from the uh, tennis writers' party tonight. Um, yeah, so there you go. So that quarter, back to that. Federer, I think, is the hot pick to make to win this tournament from a lot of people. The sexier pick. He is, pick. and yet he's not like the odds-on favorite. No, he's not the odds-on favorite. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, Novak has done what Novak does, and you know, at the end of the day, if he can find his form, he's the guy. But yeah, I mean, I I've been impressed by what Roger did this summer, mainly because a lot of it was, especially in Cincinnati, he wasn't at his best. Yeah, and he was fatigued. And yet he still made it through. Um, there's a lot to be said about that. Now, what happens? I, so to me, he's a total lock to make the final. But what happens in that final, I have no idea. Even though I picked him to win in my SI pick. You think he's a total lock to beat Dimitrov if they play in the quarters? Yes. Okay. I think so. And I think I think he beats everybody in the Burditch right. uh, Ferrer quarter. That's, so to you, Dimitrov is, is the, the, the biggest obstacle. I mean, other than that, there's nobody. I mean, his, his draw is really not bad. Pisa Gut has had a bad summer. He he would have been somebody Hold who would on. have said. Question. Yeah. You just said, like ten minutes ago, that you of all the top eight players that you would want in your draw if you were a top eight player was Dimitrov. Uh-huh. And yet you say that Dimitrov is the biggest threat to Federer making the final. Uh-huh. Please reconcile that. It's a matchup thing. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I don't have more of an explanation for that, but he doesn't have a lot 
of experience playing against uh, Dimitrov compared to everybody else here. And it is a match that I think they played once in Basel last year, if I remember correctly, and it was not easy. Um, so, yeah, I think Dimitrov in late rounds of slams is a bit more of an unknown quantity. No, so. I totally agree. I mean, I absolutely agree that Dimitrov is a threat to Federer. I'm just trying to That's fair. debunk your I appreciate any, any and all auditing. It's all fair. Uh, Gasquet is in here, made the semis last year. Uh, also pulled he, out of tournaments yeah. due to injury during the summer hard courts. Monfils so. has had a good summer. He's in there, Monfils too. Monfils is, yeah. Monfils is definitely like a dark horse. If he decides that he actually wants to like win matches as opposed to like whoop up the crowd. He's got a good starting draw, too, is yeah. the thing for him. I mean, he's, he's plays Jared Donaldson, who's a, yeah. a powerful but 17-year-old, which is very, very green. Uh, and then Tursunov or... Uh, can, Alejandro Gonzalez second. I mean, he's got a draw that will get him yeah. deep enough. That's the problem with Monfils. You have to worry that he can check out early. But if yeah. he gets his gets the accelerator going, gets picks up a nice head of steam, he could he could make quarters here. He could beat a Dimitrov. Well, I can see that happening for sure. And then uh, yeah, otherwise Fanini, who knows what Fanini will do? Uh, I'm trying to figure out who he can offend in this draw early on. Yeah, Krajinovic again, Smichek. Yeah, not the worst he could do. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the draw. Uh, finals picks, I will start. You went first last time. I will say Federer over Djokovic. That's what I picked. Yeah. And the weird thing is that, not weird, but, like, we were we were doing the SI.com roundtable. It was me and Richard Deitch and John Wertheim. And contrary to what people may think, we the three of us don't talk to each other like off. You submit separate answers. Yeah, we yeah. so an email goes out from our editor, and then we just respond to the questions. So we don't really talk to each other about whatever. And it was like a weird hive mind within like what the round how the roundtable reads. But I was the only one that picked Roger. John and Richard wisely picked Djokovic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we'll see. But I, you know, that's the odds-on final. I think. I think so. If there's anybody disrupting it, the person I would next like most likely pick is Ronich. Yeah, but just think, because of his draw. Yeah. And um, could be Djokovic. He's played him pretty decently. And that's assuming that Djokovic even makes it that far, right? If there is no Djokovic, yeah. he's had a really good record against Andy Murray. So if you think Murray gets through, that's an issue. Him versus Sanga, neither of them can return serve. So that just becomes a serving festival. Um, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity here for Milos. There you go. And his hair will look impeccable while doing so. Oh, that product. Do you think? What do you think about the hair? We haven't talked. Like we it. haven't talked. You don't like it? Why not? It's better than when he had like the weird like Superman curly cue and it was a bit longer. He had like Danny Zuko hair for a yeah, while. Yeah, he de- he definitely had Zuko hair, but it's way too just high and tight and like it doesn't it's like for the guys. Okay, so for the girls, right? Yeah. The the kind of expression they have on courts or like whatever. A lot of it's through the clothes. Sure. Skirts, shorts, separates, dresses, whatever. The guys don't really have that because you're just wearing a shirt and shorts. Unless you're burdened, yeah. Yeah, but even, yeah. yeah. So where it comes through is actually facial hair and hair. That's where they get, like, some sort of individual expression. Like Golbus, for example. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like with Rownich and his high and tight super gelled look, I don't know what he's going for. What, one thing I've and heard, it's very generic. One thing me. I've heard out of his camp, maybe from him direct. I forget exactly who said this to me, but that they like that, like when it's like a fourth set, and like a opponent looks across the net, his hair still like hasn't moved, and it's I think so it makes weak. him look unflappable. No, if you, first of all, if you wear an arm sleeve, you're flappable. <laughs> 
Secondly, if you can't return serve, you're mega flappable, as Dominic Team would say. Mega flappable. Mega flappable. So I, if the focus is on the hair, I think that maybe the focus is on the wrong thing. But like I said, like I think that his draw is great. He's played a very good summer. Um, and he is and has been over the last three years the young name to watch. Yeah. Who's brought up the who's delivered on results. So now he's consistently getting those results. He's he really has. He's been incredibly consistent. It's deep been great. Into tournaments and yeah. giving himself chances to win. Yep. There's no reason to think that just because just like we've said for other people like Andy Murray. Andy Murray kept putting himself deep into yeah. slams. Eventually, he won a couple. Yep. Milos Ranch is going to keep putting himself deep into slams, and eventually, it could pay off for him. Well, that's the thing, right? We've mentioned it before, the conversation I had with Tom Tebbett, Canadian journalist, who is awesome. If you don't read his blogs, you should. Yep. For Tennis Canada, there's a lot of like very interesting little tidbits, and, and Tom's great. But, you know, I, I think one moment, maybe two years ago at Indian Wells, like, you know, Tom was like, oh, yeah, well, when Milos wins a slam, and I kind of stopped and was like, Tom. You're talking about Milos Raonic as being a slam winner, and he's like, somebody's got to win them when everybody else is gone. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? That's a very good point. They're going to keep And that has changed yeah. my, my kind of mentality with respect to, like, the young guns. I was like, you're right. Somebody does have to win them when yeah. Roger's gone, Rafa's gone, Novak's gone, Andy's gone. No matter how, yeah. and even just gone being, like, not their former self. Right. Like, no matter what the caliber of play is, they're going to keep handing out four slam trophies a year. Yep. And that's not a knock directly on Ronich at all. But I'm just saying the level of tennis it takes to win a slam, in terms of how golden the era has to be, will eventually uh, tarnish a little bit that gold. Yep. And, you know, it will be not... Of course, because we're in a golden era. To, you can't... Has to end. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm from California. We are the state of gold of the gold rush. Uh-huh. And there came a time where the gold ran out. And then you also make, started making computers. Well, yeah. I mean, you figure other shit out. But less sexy, the whole computer thing, as opposed to, like, I'm a gold miner. Well, probably not. I don't know. I mean, I would think that Were a gold, gold miner... Were gold miners sexy? They panned for gold. They worked for their shit. It was great. I can think of few less sexy moves than panning for something. They were bearded. They were hipsters before they were hipsters. They drank craft beer. And had ridiculous beards uh-huh. and wore hats that made them look stupid and overalls. I'm basically describing Williamsburg. Fair. By the way, we'll segue out with this. We both went to Brooklyn for the first time in our lives last night. We did. For a reason. Courtney, how did you enjoy Arcade Fire? And what does Arcade Fire mean to you? It's a general statement. And they'll, okay. and they'll, they'll play us out, too. Here's my Arcade Fire origin story. Okay. Because it's coming on 10 years since Funeral. 10 years. 10 years since their debut album, 2004. And I was an attorney at the time, and I was driving home at like 1 o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. and a song came on the radio on this station, uh, our alternative station where like late at night they play like kind of obscure music and and B-sides and whatever. And I I was on the freeway. This song played. I literally hit the brakes, pulled over on the side of the road, and listened to the entire song through. And it moved me. That song was Neighborhood Tunnels off of Arcade Fire Funeral. And then yesterday we went to go see Arcade Fire. So Arcade Fire, yesterday's show was Ben's first time. Yep. That was your Arcade Fire Cherry. Yep. I've seen them many, multiple times. Yes. But the weird thing is that last night, you know, I've seen them a gazillion times and even Ben remarked, he's like, oh, you totally like... You know the playbook. Yeah, I know the playbook. I know like what to do during different songs. Like I know what they're going to do. But... Like, there was a line 
in Wake Up, or, yeah, Wake Up, which is, like, one of their closing songs and a big anthemic sort of thing. Yeah. Um, where they sang, and it had never, I never really thought about it before, but it was, um, but it was about, like, basically, like, kind of growing up, maturing, whatever. Yeah. And the line was, like, bodies grow up, but the hearts get tore up. And I literally started crying. You didn't see it, but I, like, I started crying. Aww. And that line has never, I never, it just was a, a line that I sang, like, all the time, but I didn't think about it. But, I don't know, clearly I was in a mood. But, yeah, no, it was a great show. I love them so much. I love just how much joy they bring to it. I love that they write these anthemic songs about really, like, real, like, kind of feelings. Like, yeah. you know, loss. And very and, everyday things. Yeah, but, and yet, like, like during Wake Up, it's this incredibly anthemic, cathartic sing-along about, yeah, growing up and about, like, kind of the, the shortcomings of youth. And leaving all that behind. But then it breaks out into this dance party. Yeah. There comes a point where it's like, let's dance. And I love that. I just, I love them so much. They're my favorite band. But explain to people your first experience with Arcade Fire. At at the concert? Yeah. Um, And first, if you have one. I remember hearing Tunnels was the first song I heard, too. And I think it was back in the day. Somebody, some high school classmate of mine... Sent it to me through AIM file transfer, which was how we shared music back in the day. Oh, you kids. Um, which was so great. Like, I was didn't do Napster or anything, um, so but somebody else did, or somebody had a CD. So we sent, like, individual files, and it took about 15 minutes to send somebody <laughs> an MP3 of a normal song, uh, and it was so worth it. And you knew, like, the one or two kids were, like, the fast internet back then in, like, circa... Circa so 04, 05. And so, yeah, so I got that song, and eventually people sent me other songs as well. Also, over Final Transfer, I think I got like in the backseat pretty early on. Leica, uh, uh, Power Out, Rebellion, Lies. And then I think, like, but it was always like piece by piece. So I don't think I got like Seven Kettles until like maybe six weeks after I got the first song. So, you know, it was a piecemeal process at the time. But now, since then, I've gone out and actually bought CDs. Because it's a nice thing this to do. This pleases me. Yeah. Because here's the thing, people. If you love music, you should give your money to the artists that make good music. That's Because fair. that would encourage them to continue to make their good music. I have. So I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm just saying in general. It's the same thing that we've always said about, like, tennis TV. Sure. Right? Like, you got to pay the money. you got to support the industry in order to, like, continue to demand good stuff. There you go. That's for everything. You know, if you like something, support it. Put your money where your mouth is, I say. There you go. And we don't ask for any of your money. If you want to give it to us, that's cool. We we'll take it. We'll we, take we it. We will take it, but we don't ask for it. All we ask is that you... We don't ask much. We, if you want to keep listening, feel free. We're not demanding you do, but you think you guys are awesome anyway. And thank you guys for following us in other ways as well. You can follow us on Twitter at NCR underscore tenants. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR podcast. You can also subscribe to us. In all sorts of ways, on iTunes, on various podcast apps with our RSS feed, or just by searching No Challenge Remaining, and they should have it. And you can also leave us comments and ratings and send us emails if you want for future episodes. Rate us on iTunes. It actually helps us. Seriously, you guys. Just go to the iTunes page, write up a quick... Even if you hate us, it doesn't matter. Just like... And if you do, why are you listening? You should have made it this far. Seriously, it's not good. It's not healthy. But, um, yeah, definitely. But, yes, please, like, give us a review. Follow us. That's all we ask of you. Um, But, yeah. And follow along during the US Open. We'll try to have 
Um, hopefully one episode mid-tournament will try, but no guarantees, because it's obviously crazy during tournaments, and then we'll do a rap show afterwards to sum up the last slam of the year, which will be pretty exciting. Courtney, to play us out, you've mentioned a couple Arcade Fire songs. We're going to play us out with Arcade Fire. We're going to give you the choice of which song to choose. I know this has been very tough for you. You've been waiting like for quite a while. I feel like King Solomon. <laughs> like Solomon. Like Sophie. Yeah. Um, because I mentioned it, and obviously Ben mentioned it, and it was the first Arcade Fire song that either of us heard, I'm going to go with Tunnels. Neighborhood number one. Is that right? Neighborhood number one. Yeah, Track neighborhood one number one. Funeral. Tunnels. It's just beautiful, and it just captures just the sentiment of, like, love and loss and community and finding people or another person who, like, you know, gets what you're going through. And, hey, hopefully, Ben, you are my... I would dig a tunnel to you in the middle of the town. Thank you. I would totally do it. Thank you. I don't even like snow. And I would probably die of frostbite, and I probably wouldn't complete the tunnel, but it's a thought that counts. Here's the thing. I would dig a tunnel to you, and you would open your window. I would open the window. <laughs> That's probably how it's going to work. I'd be like, why the fuck, dude? Why are you, why are you building a tunnel? Because you, as you said, you're You could have just called me. As you've called yourself, you're a little bit of an indoor kid. So I don't, I'm an indoor I don't kid. See you, I don't see you suddenly becoming a spelunker no. in snow. I'm an indoor kid. I don't see any of that appealing to you. Indoor kid on many, many different levels. But this song appeals to both of us. We'll play it out. Um, you mentioned the sense of community, Courtney. At the concert, there were some people in, who were in, like, sort of costumes. I don't yeah. know exactly. They were, like, dressed up for the occasion. Not that many, but uh, some. What... If you had a dream costume Ooh. for that concert, we didn't get to do any shopping or anything in New York or Mason, Ohio, right. or anything beforehand. What would what would you want to be? What Honestly, is your what is your true expression of self in the Arcade Fire context? I kind of just wanted a bunny suit. Bunny suit? Okay. Bunny suit. I just wanted like a like a bunny suit, like like a, like a Harvey type bunny. You know, kind like, of. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted like a full body like furry bunny suit. With, like, the little ears, not in a weird, furry kind of way. Not in a Playboy way. Not in a Playboy way, but just, like, yeah, I just, that's what I would have wanted. You know, for Halloween. How about you? For Halloween one year, I was Energized Bunny. I had a drum. Fair enough. And I was a pink bunny. I was a very brave child. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. uh, What What would your costume be? I don't know. I mean, you mentioned, when we mentioned costume ideas... You mentioned mariachi band. I was I, so ready for I that. I know. If I had been a better planner, I would have gotten, like, bandoleros and, like, mari... But, but then, here's the thing, though. Ben and I didn't get general admission tickets. We got, like, up in the seats. It yeah. would have been awkward to be up there as a mar- mariachi band. Like, it made sense down in, G- in GA. In general admission. Yeah. yeah. But if where we were sitting, that would have been weird. We were weird no matter what, though. We stood the whole time. I was worried that the people behind us were going to tell us to sit down. Well... I and I was, I was prepared to tell them, like, I paid my $70, I bought these tickets a year ago, I'm not sitting down. And nor should you. Nor should, yeah, stand up. It's not that hard to stand up for an hour and a half. <sighs> hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. And we got to see Marky Ramone. That was exciting. That was so good. They did a cover of, like, I Want to Be Sedated, which was great, because that's how I feel right now. We can, we can, we 20, can, 20, 24 we, hours ago, I Want to Be Sedated. We can euthanize this show right now. Nothing to do, nowhere to go. Oh, see I you guys next time. Sedated. And now we'll... Transition quickly from the road to tunnels. Before I go insane, I can't control my fingers, I can't control my brains. Oh, 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 oh. Ba, 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 ba. I want to be sedated. Why not? Dear, my parents are.